Soar Through the Fourth Whistle. If you have not already liked our Facebook page, please do so, so you can keep in touch with us. And we are on Apple Podcasts, which is really awesome. We're very excited about it. This would be a good opportunity for you to go subscribe, write a review, tell your friends about it, rate it, all those things. Because it took months to get on there. <laughs> was... I can imagine. It's a lot of work. <laughs> and welcome back, Bella. Thanks for having me back, Back Jackie. by popular demand. I thought <laughs> it would be really fun to have Bella back, especially since she was there for the preview and prediction show. I haven't actually gotten to have this opportunity where I have the same guest on for before the playoff and after the playoff. It's bookends. Yeah. It's perfect. I feel like we're completing a story. And the story is Champs 2018. And it has a really happy ending. It does. Spoilers. Okay. <laughs> but let's start with day one. Did you get to catch a lot of games on day one? I watched them not in real time, but I watched all of them except for the very first one, which made me really sad because I love crime in Montreal. Will it terribly destroy you if I tell you about this game? Not like at it's, all. The score is like right here on my it's screen. Okay. I can't even, I tried to cover it with my hand. Um, so if you have not watched these game years yourself and are worried about spoilers, you should stop listening right now and come back afterwards because I'm sorry, we're going to talk about outcomes, but it's going to be a really fun time it's while we do. So, so uh, first thoughts, is this the first chance I've seen in years without sport court? It feels like maybe it is. Because that concrete floor looked nice. (laughs) I wanted to skate on that. I love polished concrete. Oh, everyone's movements looked so crisp. I didn't see a lot of slippery flailing. Yeah, no, like, hung up on awkward edges or splits in the floor or any of the horrible things that sport court. It was so nice. It was beautiful. Okay, so that that was a thought in my notes. So, first game was Montreal versus Crime City, which is a rematch of the first game last year. How fun is that? It's really fun. They're amazing teams to watch. There's a lot of cool um, personalities, I guess. I heard that there was like uh, social media taunting between Below Me and Mangement Au Cool. Did you hear about this? I did not. I did not witness any of it myself. It was just spoken of as if it's already in legend from the announcer crew. Everyone just knows. Yeah. So um, I took a lot of notes on this game in particular because it was a very close game. There were were several games where it became a blowout. And so I had like not very much at all because it was like, well, that escalated quickly. (laughs) Um, But for this one, I have some thoughts. So it begins with Crime City getting a 50 point lead at one point. But then Montreal gets it together and chips away until it's a close game by the half. And that turnaround started around Jam 13. Um, it felt like this was a story of Jammer matchups because, um, like, honestly, Falcon Punch and Miracle Whips are the ones you want out there scoring fast passes for Montreal, multiple passes. They're the ones who can really rack up numbers because that's what they're really good at. Honey Badger and Kyle Kenze are better used for keeping jams short against Crime City's best jammers like Curly Horror and Hannah Pei, and now you've got this new jammer, Dede Faruque, if I'm saying it right, um, a transfer from Paris. This was her coming out party on this team. 
She was definitely a much-needed addition to Crime's roster to round out their jamming rotation, allow more rest for the other players, and she's just solid. But the question really is, do you put your best against their best? Or do you put your best against their less strong jammers so they can score points? And when the score is super close, I might do best versus best. Uh, but when you're, when you're coming from behind and need big points, I would put whips out there against King K or Dede for better odds, especially with her, it being her first tournament. Um, same with Crime. Put Curly Her out there against Kaio Kensei, and she's more likely to make things happen quicker because her, of her level of experience in big tournament situations. Right. So I felt like both teams were kind of playing around with both of these ideas, deciding how to match up the jammers. And that was kind of telling the story of uh, what was succeeding, uh, depending on where you were score-wise. Um, and then in the second half, in a game where the talent is so evenly matched between Crime and Montreal, penalties became a big problem. And there were more jammer penalties for Montreal. Um, it appeared some frustration resulted in a few careless mistakes. Uh, in the second half, there were... Like, starting out, like, five leads for each team, but Montreal lost two of those leads mm -hmm. from penalties. So, it was really tough uh, to watch. And I'm sorry, I'm rambling so much. It's just because Bella doesn't have notes on this game. I get nothing. Okay. But you can ask me questions All if right. you like at any point. Um, so then, Jam 12, Falcon Punch and Hannah Pay come out together with Falcon Punch assigned lead. Uh, she gambled and kept the jam going and got two quick passes before facing any real difficulty. So Montreal got 14 points to Crimes 2. Really good decision. Um, and then it was a 16-point game with 10 minutes, 15 seconds left to play. It's jam 14 at this point. Miracle Whips puts down a beautiful 19-point jam, bringing Montreal to a one-point lead for the first time in this game. Uh, you really need to go back and watch this jam in particular. She does a toe-step twirl on the inside line on her third scoring pass. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, it needs to be gift or gift, whatever you um, like to <laughs> say. And then, with two minutes left, there's a 10-point lead for Montreal. The video feed cuts out completely for everybody. I had to finish listening to the audio which cut out when both Falcon Punch and Curly Horror had eight points each and they were running the jam long. And then when I finally got the audio to work again, I basically had to assume Montreal won. I did not get to see the end of this oh. game because the feed cut out. It was really frustrating. I know everyone's doing their best, but there's just nothing more frustrating than paying for the feed and losing the end of a close game. Yeah, that's very disappointing. <laughs> That's a good spoiler to have because maybe now I won't feel so sad when it happens in real. Well, when they upload it later, I feel like it'll be there. This was just a problem of transmitting it live. Because you notice all the, the catchy, glitchy things yep. that happen when you're watching it live. They don't happen when you play it back. Yeah. So they've got it recorded correctly. They just had problems sending it. And this is a thing that happens every year, everywhere they go. I don't know why, but that's not my job. Nope. <laughs> um, so we decided to do something a little bit fun for this particular recap because it's Champs Weekend. And we have decided to give out um, our own personal awards for 
players or moments that we enjoyed particularly. And for this game, I'm giving the Little Spitfire Award to Kayo Kensei for her tenacity taking off when she escapes the pack because it is so much fun to watch. There's nothing more you want to see from a jammer that's been a relief jammer coming into a regular jamming role than just her just, just taking off with so much fire. <laughs> I have to agree with that. I did see her in other games, and so I can, I can support this decision. Yay! <laughs> so that was the most wordy thoughts I had for any one game. So let's move along. I've got a note here for Angel City versus Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Come back and rewatch is if possible, because I can't speak to what happened most of the first half as there were problems with the video feed on WFTVA.TV and Twitch and sometimes the audio. I finally got the video working when there were eight minutes left in the first half. Yeah, I watched this on Twitch because I didn't start the feed, so I couldn't rewind it to go back and watch it. And it was archived strangely, mm -hmm. like in 45-minute chunks and 20-minute chunks and like... I missed a big portion of the middle of it, I feel like. So my, my, my understanding of this game is also limited. And because Twitch has a chat function, I got to um, see the frustration experience with other people who are more vocal than me because I just watched the frustration. <laughs> I did not express the Anger frustration. Anger in real time. Yeah, and it was just a bunch of people going back and forth being like, I'm mad. And other people being like, don't be mad. It's not like you know how to fix things. And, you know, stuff like that. Also, this feed <laughs> is free on Twitch. So. Oh, and oh, there was a great little argument being like, don't assume you know about me and my life because I didn't pay for the feed. It doesn't mean I'm broke. You know, really mature stuff like that. <laughs> Why must the trolls come out everywhere? Because it's Twitch. That's where they live. <laughs> they live on YouTube too, but I think even more so on Twitch. So, biggest thing right off the bat is, where's Aaron Jackson? We all picked our brackets based on Aaron Jackson being there. I know, and I did receive a text from a teammate uh -huh. that was like, there's no Aaron Jackson in the middle of my work day. And I was, yeah. I was a little shocked. And I'm not saying she scores half the team's points or anything, though she, she could. She might some days. I do feel like she has half the impact on that team. Yeah. Like, cause no team is, is one player. Absolutely. Right. But just her presence being there makes everyone better. I feel like everyone feels calm, confident and elevated just from her because she is so athletic, so competitive. I feel like everyone has the believance when yes. she's around. Well, and you know, when you go to a big game mm -hmm. that when your whole team is not there, even if it's not like, that person. It's not your Aaron Jackson. Mm -hmm. It's just different. And yeah. it kind of plays with everybody's head. Like, how would this be different if, you know, so-and-so were here? So I'm sure that they were wondering those thoughts as yeah. well. Because, I mean, when obviously when you're missing a jammer and you're out there as a jammer and you have a bad jam, you can be like, well, so-and-so's following me. Um, they have a chance to pick it up. When so-and-so is not there, right? you're like, okay, we have to come up with something else. Right. Because I can't give them a different look because I'm not a different person. Right. <laughs> um, so for anyone who was wondering what happened to her, I did find out. She qualified for the World Cup in 500 meter speed skating last week. Darn those Olympics. And didn't tell anybody when we were making our brackets. Not that we were going to win anything amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
When I joined, you know, there's eight minutes left in the first half. The score is 42 to 58, Angel City. Angel City goes on a run and is up 50 points by the half. That's a huge differential in a short time. Yeah. And um, I've, I would have expected the game to be a lot closer uh, had the missing individual been there. But uh, second half, 20 minutes in, Jacksonville had scored less than 10 points. This is how dominant Angel City was in the second half. Um, jam 13, I've got a note here. It's not rocket science. Does not get lead, but scores 15 points. That was a pretty big deal as far yeah. as, like, uh, I think that was most of her points for the game um, because it had not been easy for her. And then uh, Rachel Rotten had a 23-point jam to close out the game. So Jacksonville scored 29 points in the second half. Angel scored 147 points. And 15 of them were from one jammer. Yeah. And the, it was because Angel ran it long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So some didn't go as we expected, but I was happy to see Angel City doing so well recovering from their roster turnover Yeah, over a team as good as Jacksonville. I wish Jacksonville could have been at full strength, but you know what? Props to Angel City for get, taking the advantage while they could. Yeah. The, absolutely no mercy was and, shown. Yeah, coming out strong because we talked last time about how they were missing a lot of skaters from last year. So it's mm-hmm. good to kind of show everyone in the Derby world that they're still there and they're still deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you have an award for I this do. game? It's actually for a blocker from Angel City, which given the um, lack of score from mm-hmm. Jackson, Jacksonville, that kind of makes sense. But um, Red Raven... From Angel City, number 255, I'm giving her the Playtex Cross Your Heart Awards <laughs> because she was there for all day support of her jammers. She did some good offense. I saw some um, I'm nice... so glad I didn't see any of your awards beforehand <laughs> so I can react to them in real time, <laughs> genuinely. They're all very ridiculous, just warning oh, you right I now. I love this. Um, she just did a lot of, like, there were moments of offense. There were some other... Um, Something I'm rather fond of doing as a blocker, she um, knocked out a blocker while her jammer was coming back around and then just kind of ran that blocker back far enough so that she was a quick snack for her jammer. So there were just lots of really um, impactful offensive moments, I felt like. And, you know, that's a thing that's really helpful. And that's really good recognition because I don't remember her being a big part of the blocking core in past years. I think she's a newer addition. So that's really awesome for her to stand out in this season. Um, I ended up giving two awards for this game because I couldn't resist because I have to recognize it's not rocket science. Um, giving her the wearer of many hats award because she jammed. She was doing a, a lot of pivoting, getting star passes, because she used to block a lot on her previous team as well, Steel mm-hmm. City. Um, she also did some excellent break dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Very talented. And she had the biggest jam of the second half for Jacksonville. I felt like she, you know, wanted to go out there and just be a solid jammer the whole game like anyone might, but she had to spread herself all over the place to pull it together, to bring the team together. And, and she was yeah. willing to do that. She did what needed to be done. And so I think that's very admirable. 
And my other award is in the same vein as yours, but I couldn't single out one blocker because it was so dominant. And so the entire Angel City defense, you're going to love this, gets the Dementor Award. <laughs> for sucking souls. For punishing blocking, <laughs> sucking out all hope from jammers. All joy in your lives, all fancy skating, all of it is gone. <laughs> I do love this award. Limiting Jacksonville ability to score to less than 10 points for 20 minutes of gameplay is insane. And Jacksonville Jammers work best at high speed. They were brought to a grinding halt when they stopped trying to use their moves. <laughs> so, good on ya, Angel. All right. Moving on to Texas versus Gotham, the rematch we always enjoy. I love this game. This was incredibly enjoyable. It was very thorough. Uh, I mean, it was close the whole first half. Gotham gradually pulls away in the second. It was not a high-scoring game. Not very many big jams at all. It was really lots of grind. Um, for most of the game, Texas stuck with the rotation they were most comfortable with which was Freight Train, Gravy Baby, and Haas the Boss. Grace Lightning was only used as a relief jammer, but every time she came out, she was just electric with frantic energy. She was so exciting to watch and just such a nice change of pace from, uh, we've talked about jammer styles on our team since yep. I went to RollerCon from one of the classes. Freight Train has an earth style. She's very grounded. Haas the Boss has a water style where she's always mohawking around the place confusing it really confused the Gotham defense to throw Grace Lightning out there who was completely different and this was her first time playing at the champs level and her future looks really bright and the best thing you can do if you are a relief jammer is come out like you've been fired out of a cannon and she did that <laughs> she did um I also have a note that Peace War is just on another level from everyone when it comes to pure effort, risk-taking, doing whatever it takes at any cost. Yeah, I tried to come up with awards for her every time I watched Texas play, and I ended up giving the awards to somebody else each time, but she's very notable. <laughs> um, let's see, my other notes just about the game itself. Um, Maven, Giles, Kate Sarasara, and Space Invader were used most awesome for often for Gotham. Space looks more fluid and confident than ever. She has really grown as a jammer in her time with Gotham. So that was really cool. Um, my award for this game is the Watch Me Whip Award going to Haas the Boss <laughs> for continued amazing jersey whips. Like, she just kind of started off the game with one of those that was... It looked exactly like a gift from a previous game. So you almost wondered if they just pulled one Put up. Put that right in there. <laughs> She's really good get, giving herself a Pegasus on someone's shirt. <laughs> we can work on that. Um, my award's for Haas also. But really? It's, yeah. But it's the Playing With Your Food Award for her <laughs> Jammer on Jammer action. Oh, um, I love the name. <laughs> there were multiple um, incidents where she was beating up other jammers. There was one in the first half and she ran back the jammer and the announcers actually commented on the fact that this might not be a good time to do this because you're not winning and you're wasting valuable time. But um, in the second half, there, in one jam I saw um, 
multiple instances where she was kind of playing do, uh, defense with little runbacks. Like she would do a short run back and then she just kind of knocked the other jammer out a couple of times. I think she hit out the same jammer three times in one jam. And so I think that she was maybe enjoying that a little bit. It just shows really great awareness because jammers can be completely one track mind, just go, go forward, go. forward, yeah. forward, and you get tunnel vision. And it just goes to show her level of experience that she can see the whole track and what needs to be done everywhere. And it's not just about her. Yeah. So that's phenomenal. Um, let's move along to our tribal versus Denver. This is a game I look forward to so much and yet never wanted to end because I didn't want either team to lose. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's hard. It, it's hard to watch and amazing to watch at the same time. It's one of those games where you just go in and you're just cheering for a really good derby. Like yeah. every time something happens, you're like, oh my gosh, did you see that thing? And you don't care who did it because yeah. you like them both. Exactly. Um, I wrote down some rules for this oh. game. Rule number one. Arch Rival cannot let Scald Eagle have a power jam. Rule number two, Arch Rival cannot let Scald Eagle have a power jam while they also have blockers in the box. Rule number three, if these things happen anyway, <laughs> the best thing to do is find a way for Eagle to get a penalty. <laughs> Rule number four, even better than setting up Brictator for a power start. And then number five, draw another penalty on Eagle while you're at it. All of these things happened in a row in jams eight through 10 in the first half. <laughs> but in general, if I could give advice as if I'm at that playing level, I would say keep Eagle's jams short and help her penalty spiral because her amazing style of jamming is high risk and she just needs a nudge to head that way. Yeah. If you really want to defeat her. Which I honestly never want to see her defeated, but that's what you would have to do. <laughs> Play to her weaknesses. Yes. Um, Denver used a very heavy rotation of, wow, autocorrect thinks Wilhelm's name should be Wilhelmina. That's <laughs> fancy. Um, <laughs> Wilhelm, Eagle, and Klein. Andy was used as a rotator. Uh, Cotton was not seen. Cotton's name was written on a lot of people's legs. Did you hear anything about Cotton? Uh -uh. Is she injured? I did not. Okay. And then um, Guypen was missing, and I wondered, what's going on? Because all year, Denver had used four, uh, five jammers regularly, sometimes six with Andy. Mm -hmm. So I was like, where's Guypen? Where's Guypen? Well, she was not in this game, but she does make her appearance later in the weekend to give you some suspense for later. At this point, I wrote, I love this game in my notes. <laughs> And then Jam 14 was a power start for Swanson. They had two blockers for Arch. This was, this was a moment where I shook my head because um, Arch only has two blockers. Swanson's going out against four blockers for Denver, but Arch goes passive and prepares for Eagle. Eagle beats them easily. <laughs> if you're in this situation, just, just go against like a really tough team, a really tough jammer, just go all offense to get Swanson League before Eagle can get out because you've only got maybe 10 seconds, right. maybe 15 if you're lucky. Against a really tough team, Swanson's not going to be able to do it on her own. That's too much. Like, secure lead because you need to keep Eagle's jam short. If she gets lead, it can be as long as she wants it to. If you're lead, it's as long as you, you want, want it to be. be. Yeah. 
When I think if you can play a little offense and even if it's not super effective, but then you can get yourself so that you're situated at the front of the pack in front of them, at least then Eagle has to work her way through her own blockers. And that might not slow her down a ton because obviously they're going to be on the lookout for her, but it, it helps guide her in a way that might be more advantageous to you. Yeah. Your goal at all times should be get Eagle off the track. Yeah. Get her off the track through keeping a jam short, through drawing a penalty, through knocking her out of bounds literally. <laughs> Just don't let her be on the track she if you want to defeat her. She cannot score points. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way. Um, so it's a two-point game at halftime. Uh, jam two, Eagle skates laps and earns... 30 points, while a star pass to Vicious Van Gogh go gets four. Uh, in four jams, it is a 45-9 to nine run for Denver. And then uh, Denver eventually is a hot ahead by 50. It's like 142-92. to 92. Okay, uh, jam nine was a foot race between Brictator and Klein. There was an official timeout for injured player on Arch. And what was notable about this moment for me, why I wrote it in my notes, is... It was a good leadership moment for Brictator because you see her gather the team around. She's talking to the group and she is making such an effort to catch her breath because she was just racing for her life out there. But between sentences and words, she is like throwing in smiles at her team and trying to say encouraging things to get them back into this game because they're behind by a lot. Uh, but then Jam 11, 31 points for Wilhelm running long against um, the... Jammer turned pivot, or pivot turned jammer, uh, cloak and drag her, who scored eight. There's a 74-point lead at this point in the game. Denver puts Andy back out. Arch gets lead six times in a row near the end of the half, but it's really not enough to do much with this late in the game. Uh, my notes say, what did Denver do at halftime? Probably everyone drank a Coke. <laughs> so... It wasn't as close as I wanted. No, it wasn't that close at all. I mean, it was it was it was a good game, and it was nail biting up to the half. But then I don't know what they talked about in the locker room besides probably having a coke. <laughs> or don't they have a rule that jammers get cokes and blockers get Pepsi or vice versa? Somebody said that once. I'll have to figure that one out. I'll I don't know the that. source of your information. <laughs> I think it was a jammer that said that. It might have okay. even been Skull. Uh, so what was your award for this game? Okay, so I don't know how many of you on the Derbyverse are basketball fans, but I am giving um, Left Turn Clothing the Steph Curry Award for leading the team in Jammer Clothing Whips. He's the number one uh, player in the NBA with the most assists for this season. So that's why. So Steph Curry has the most assists, yep. and these jerseys gave the most assists, so yes. they are one and the same. So they have won the Steph Curry Award, yep. And um, they provided a lot of assists throughout the game, mostly to Denver. Denver took a lot of whips. I know you were talking in the last game. That was kind of how the game started. Haas was taking whips at the beginning, but there were a lot of Denver whips off of their jerseys. I really love whipping off of clothing. I mean, if you ever play with me, wear durable clothing because... If it's not stretchy enough, I, I might rip it, and I don't mean to. It comes from a place of love and competition. I can speak to this as the truth. <laughs> I have ripped your shirt. <laughs> I'm now a member of Team Crop Top, courtesy of a Jackie Bauer whip. Well, you, you wanted that, didn't you? Kind of you did. already wanted to join. Amazingly, 
my award is also an obscure sports reference. <laughs> Not that yours is obscure. Mine's more obscure okay. than yours, actually, because it's wrestling. So it's actually sports entertainment. <laughs> um, if you ever watch wrestling, um, I'm giving uh, Klein, a.k.a. Sharon Tacos, the RKO Award because her apex jumps come out of nowhere. <laughs> it, to explain... This wrestler does a move, and it's always, out of nowhere, he suddenly did the move, and now the other person's down, and they're, ah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always, like, a big surprise. Like, it, there's really just, she commits 110% to these jumps. They're so high, it never feels like they should work, and it's just like, what? How'd you do that? <laughs> You're going to have to find a GIF of that, and then put it in the comments to this. So oh, of the RKO? Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's very punishing. Okay. Um... So, we move on to Montreal versus Rose City. My notes say, going exactly as expected. <laughs> Very typical. <laughs> yes. Um, I gave out a favorite official name award for strong female character. Um, there was, sadly, an egregious high block from Simonis. Yeah. Um, so, that went on. Um... And Rose Jammers were Bonnie, Much, Brute, with rotating in Beyond Thunderdame and Zip Drive. And my only other note is an award for Miracle Whips. This is the Poetry in Motion Award for her 31-point jam with two apex jumps. It's beautiful. It was. It was graceful. And elegant. Elegant. so my award goes to Bonnie Thunders, and it's the Eminem Award because she went around and around the outside over and over and over again like two trailer park girls. And they somehow didn't stop her hardly ever. And here I was thinking of the candy, but I really, <laughs> I'm really glad I waited for the punchline on that. I told you they were obscure. I love this. I love the creativity that went into your awards. This is so much fun. All right. The next game also has a very short amount of awards. Victorian Roller Derby versus Angel City. It was 88 to 44 at halftime. A very nice, you know, double up. Um, I gave the Fast and Furious Award to Mr. 305 Dale because so much furiosity and speed. <laughs> I also wanted to give an award to Dale, but I couldn't think of anything catchy or humorous to award. So Fast and Furious is good. Okay, we both award that one to you. <laughs> um, are you done? Yeah. Okay. That one. My award goes to Soledad, and it's the Miley Cyrus Award because she came in like a wrecking ball <gasps> and repeatedly disrupted blockers and jammers alike. Came in like a wrecking ball. She's Soledad is there. always so good. So much fun to watch. And um, her and Miracle Whips have an altercation later on in the weekend. I cannot wait to get to that. But first. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember that now that you say that. First, Saturday morning, we have Crime City versus Jacksonville. We are in the consolation bracket, sadly, with three games in a row that are just for, you came here, we'd like you to have another game. And But these games were actually very excellent games. They um, were. They were really fun to watch. And um, my notes on this game are... Basically, that what worked so well for Crime City the day before was how clean they skated when they usually are more penalty heavy. And this game was a little bit more of a return to penalty trouble. 
and Jacksonville begins to build a gradual cushion of a lead against crime, and Mad Dog Murph was used regularly instead of as a relief jammer. Excuse me, I've been drinking um, soda, so I had a burp. Um, <laughs> there was a series of unfortunate events where Mad Dog Murph gets a penalty, comes back, gets another penalty, and an insubordination. Curly Horror calls off the jam to start on a power jam. At this point, the score was tied 94 to 94 with two minutes left in the first half. Uh, takes a time out. And then uh, Curly Horror goes right back in, jams and gets a penalty, which removes one of Murph's penalties. Who gets lead? And two points. Um, I believe there were maybe seven Jacksonville jammer penalties in the first half. I could be wrong about that. And the score was 96 to... I must have missed something here. 96 to 103 crime at the half. I didn't take notes for everything. Sometimes I just wrote in notable things and then was like, and now here's the score. <laughs> um, other notes I have for the second half. Crime City is getting quicker leads. They're doing an excellent job stepping around blockers on the line. Uh, my favorite quote from announcer commentary, which is, Curly Hur is like water. She gets everywhere. Or like glitter. Uh, there were some really nice, clear, coordinated chants for Crime City coming from the stands. With seven minutes left, there were eight jammer penalties for Jacksonville, eight jammer penalties for Crime. Three of them were in two jams for Murph in the first half. Three in two jams for Dede in the second half. Hmm, that's a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Jammers looking for footwork inspiration. Watch this game. Uh... So Crime built the lead. Jacksonville came back. Uh, Snot Rocket Science was being used as a pivot. Uh, and then some things happened for Curly Horror. Curly Horror, like it's five minutes left in the game. Timeout Jacksonville. The score is 155 to 161. Curly Horror returns from the penalty box to immediately get a blocking with the head penalty. It's a one-point game, 160 to 161. Three minutes, 40 seconds left. Curly Horror comes out and gets a forearm penalty. Murph continues to work on getting lead. Murph gets a forearms penalty instead. <laughs> 160 to 163. A minute 30 left. Jacksonville timeout. I pause the game at this point to get my husband slash coach of our team to watch the ending. And while I was waiting, I debated how I would bench coach the ending of this game. I decided that while you would normally want Curly Hoare to finish the game because she has such a great track record with winning games, that you shouldn't in this case because she had gotten three penalties in a row and you might want to use Hannah Pay instead. And if I were fielding for Jacksonville, I'd maybe go with Jam Sorella because she finished that win at playoffs against Montreal. She's been there before. So um, none of these things happen. <laughs> um, Jacksonville puts out Leanne Grohl and Jam Sorella, you know, playing that game of who's going to jam, and it's Grohl. Crime fields Curly Hoare again. <laughs> Leanne Grohl looks like she's going to get lead, but gets a forearm penalty. Curly Hoare gets lead and 10 points. It's her biggest jam of the half. The game ends 160 to 173. I will never doubt her again. She just, she's just amazing. So yeah, Crime City wins that game. Just, just outstanding. Um, what do you have for notes and um, words and things? 
My, well, so I, my, most of my notes revolve around my awards today. So I actually gave Dee Dee Froquet my award for this game. Mm -hmm. And it's the Rock, Paper, Scissors Award. Because you mentioned really beautiful footwork. Uh -huh. There was a lot of really beautiful footwork and um, really great track awareness where she, you know, like, nope, they were not, you know, I don't have to re-enter behind that person. Just really super awareness and hippity-hoppity back in and out. Um, and it saved her from track cuts many, many times. But much like rock, paper, scissors, you can't win them all. And she did take two track cuts. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes she's the rock and sometimes she's the paper. Okay. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> There's a lot that went into that one. Um, I also gave an award <laughs> to that player, and this was the Welcome to the Party Award for jamming at her first champs and fitting in so well with her new team. It looked like she'd been with them forever. Yeah. She, like, she just fit in really nicely, and she looked confident. She never looked nervous out there. She looked like she'd been there before, even though she hadn't. So, bravo. I like to see that. This takes us to our tribal versus Texas. Um, so this was a fun one because it started out uh, with jammer rotation things. Arch always has the same rotation. It's Brick Tater, Swanson, Psycho Kid to Freak Out, Reptar. Texas changed up their rotation and it was Gravy Baby, Freight Train, Grace Lightning, Haas the Boss. And... By Jam 8, Bricktator goes out against Haas the Boss instead, and Reptar goes out against Gravy Baby. I think teams were messing with this. Like, I know Texas really cares about Jammer matchups a lot. Because when, um, not to be a weirdo, but, um, I know it's something that Smarty Pants was very concerned about when she was a part of Texas. And I was sitting nearby a table where the Texas coaches and captains were deliberating after uh, one night of champs one year. <laughs> they were figuring things out. Not that I was being a creep. <laughs> it was a public place and you were sitting nearby. Plus, you can just tell. You don't have to be a stalker to know by watching their games that they care a lot about yeah. jammer matchups. And they mess with this all the time. I mean, they've had whole games where they might rest a jammer like Haas the Boss for the entire first half and then put her out in the second half mm -hmm. when they had a little bit more of an embarrassment of riches when it came to jamming rotation. <laughs> um, so they were really messing around with this. Um, some skaters had more difficulty than others. Reptar in particular was having real difficulty getting out on an initial pass. Um, and she was having this problem no matter who she was matched mm -hmm. up with. And they would also have the same problem. It seemed like Reptar jams went really long. Like her first jam out, she got lead but got reabsorbed. And it felt like if there was going to be a two-minute jam out there where people were struggling to get lead, it was probably Reptar against somebody from Texas. Right. So that was painful to watch. Um, let's see. It was 117 to 92 with two and a half minutes left in the second half. Um, and then... Actually, those notes aren't important. Anyway, it was a close game throughout, fun to watch, but it was heavy, grueling defense, hard for jammers to get lead throughout the game, really long average time to get lead, I would assume. And um, I was talking to you about this earlier. Weirdest thing I've never seen before, but I, we started seeing a few times this weekend. But here's a specific example. Bolt action on our tribal while blocking got really low and then puts her hand on the ground. 
and then left it there and seemed to be using it to brace herself from the ground. And as I was asking this out loud to no one in the room, is this even legal? She was called for a penalty. <laughs> so it's not. It's not. But I felt like I was seeing that this weekend. I mean, it's one thing to catch your balance, but it's another thing to be like, hey, this floor is really stable. I'm going to stay here. It's, I, I noticed it in multiple games as well. And I almost tried to make up an award for that. But it didn't seem like it would be a good award, so I didn't. Um, but yeah, it happened again in other games. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's a workaround for that. I don't know. But maybe there's um, a three-second rule. You are absolutely down when you've got something like a hand down. If you continue to block... You are blocking while being a down skater. You are not in play. Right. You're out of play. Yeah. So it's an out of play block. So um, be in play when you block yeah. is my advice. <laughs> uh, what was your award for this game? Um, okay. So my award, I'm going to have to give the Derbyverse um, a point of reference. And so I, the title of the award, award is the Beatrix Slaughter Award. <laughs> and uh, Trixie is a skater that skates with us. And so she is always smiling like you know you go back to the pictures after the bow and you have all of these derpy faces and you look at them and you're like what was I doing all of her pictures are beautiful and she's always smiling and she's always happy and she seems to have so much joy even when people are pounding her and so I am awarding the Beatrix Slaughter award to Bricktator because she was always smiling and happy and cheerful even when she was, like, just knocked out of bounds and returning to the track. I do love that about her. I think she um, really respects good gameplay, and she doesn't seem to mind. Like, if someone knocked her out of bounds, like, but did a really awesome job of it, she's just like, oh, you. <laughs> good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's absolutely one of my favorite players in the sport of roller derby. And um, my award is going to Peace War, and it is the Tornado of Destruction Award. Because I knew I wanted to give her something. It's well earned. And uh, if I didn't mention this already, our tribal did win this game. <laughs> it was 122 to 92. Um, I realized I missed giving the final score. Because I didn't write it in my notes. Alright. Um, then we have Angel City versus Montreal. You would expect this to be a pretty close game. But, immediately... We have a missing skater. Where is Falcon Punch? Um, a relief skater, Donata, was being used more regularly. Mm -hmm. um, Montreal takes advantage early of penalty trouble on Angel's side. Uh, we never figured out what happened to Falcon Punch. Like, did, did they ever say? Did you ever hear? I didn't hear anything. So I would assume that she is some kind of an injury. Some sort of a reason she could not right. play. Um, so Jam 9 was a 23-point jam for Honey Badger against Angel City. Not easy to do. This is a not a very large jammer. Um, she's a lot tougher than she looks, that's for sure. And, and might be the biggest I've ever seen her do. Yeah. <laughs> as far as just points in a jam. So that was huge. And then it was followed in Jam 10 with 15 points for Miracle Whips. And it was 31-59 to 59 Montreal halfway through the first half. And... Angel City had double the penalties of Montreal at this time. But Angel chips away at that lead and finally takes it from Montreal with a 13-point jam from Rachel Rotten. 74-63, to 63, Angel City, five minutes left in the first half. 
Rachel Rotten finishes the half with a 20-point jam that brings the score to 115-66. to 66. There was only one jammer penalty for Angel in the first half, um, and but Soledad, Tui Lion, Octane Jane, and Red Raven all had three or four, four jammer penalties for Montreal in the first half. Second half, my only note is, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> the final scores, Montreal 118, Angel City Derby 199. Um, Rachel Rotten is a heck of a jammer now. Yeah, she really dominated, I think. Like, I've never seen her more confident in her jamming than in perhaps this game. Maybe it was because it was so easy for her to see over the heads of the Montreal blockers. She's so much taller than everyone. I think she just felt so confident. Like, I see the way. <laughs> I think we were on the opposite end of that when we went to our tournament in October. Yeah. At one point, we were... I mean, we're not all really short girls. I'm not short. You're not short. But I'm remember, a little short. Uh, I mean, you're average. I'm like five two and a half. Okay, you're a little short. <laughs> last team we faced we were like do they have a height requirement because they were all really towering women i feel like you tend to recruit people that look like you like they see you in public and like you play roller derby i look like you i can play roller derby with you i think this just happens sometimes with teams so yeah i think that they would have a similar situation as rachel rotten because she's she's very um leggy yeah um what is your award for this game Ah, my award uh, goes, it's the Style Award, mm -hmm. and it goes to Kayo Kenze, because I believe it was Jam 14 of the second half. I'll have to double check. But she just had this really beautiful um, apex jump, and oh. it, was, it, was a, it was a thing of beauty. So I think I remember that one specifically. That. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice. Um, mine is the... Chip on the shoulder award, and it's a tie. It goes to Miracle Whips and Soledad. Hey. This is from Jam 19. It's the second to last jam of the game. Miracle Whips is in the process of scoring like 19 points and totally has it out with Soledad. Words and hand motions are exchanged between the both of them. It looks like pushing air with the hands. So my guess was it's Miracle Whip saying, don't push me with your hands. And maybe Soledad is saying, don't you push me with your hands. I'll show you what pushing looks like by showing you with my hands to the air. You get that? And um, it was spectacular. <laughs> I honestly thought that there might be a penalty awarded for whatever that shenanigans was. I feel like they were trying to get one awarded by being like, refs, did you see this? The hands in the air? It's kind of like um, when you're dancing and you push down the floor, except it was pushing, pushing out each a other. wall. Uh, uh. Like, I'll push a wall with you. Um, anyway, it got me back into a game that was um, becoming a blowout. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have uh, one of our semifinal games, Rose City versus Gotham. Um, never a dull game. Nope. <laughs> uh, jam 2. Immediately, Lauren Much is bleeding from her nose oh, yeah. after a shoulder hit to her face and is taking it like a badass. Official timeout, checking for blood on the track. Announcers didn't seem to notice what was happening or what it was for. Because they kept saying like, oh, I guess the officials are just, you know, having a timeout now. 
I don't know if it was actually um, that announcer, but apparently in my head it was. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like Lauren Much is just so casually sitting with the medics cleaning blood out of her mouth guard. Like she's been there before. It's yeah. not the first time that her nose is bled, I'm sure. Yeah, because the announcers were saying that, like, I did, like, I rewound the feed so that I could see, because when she turned around, you, it was very apparent that mm -hmm. she was bleeding. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, they're out there cleaning the floor because there's mm -hmm. blood drips everywhere. And then she had, like, some sort of a white bandage around her wrist, and I thought, oh, is her wrist hurt now? But I saw it had red on it. So then it occurred to me, oh, maybe she did that because she's really smart. And this way, if her nose starts bleeding oh, she again, she's dabbing it. She can be dabbing it mid-jam. She might have been doing that the whole game. That's my theory, is that that was her nose-dabber bandage on her wrist. I feel like that's not a very sanitary <laughs> solution to this problem. But, but how effective and efficient is it if you are a badass and you have points to be scoring right now? Like, I don't want the game to start again because there's blood on the track. Let me just dab really quick. It'll be fine. <laughs> Maybe she gets the dab award. Um, <laughs> I actually had like a quote from uh, from the movie Dodgeball, but I can't remember like what the name of the dodgeball teams were or anything. I mean, I know there's Average Joe's, but then there's the other gym. Do you remember what it was called? Oh, is it this? This movie was on yesterday. Really? Um, yeah. It is the like, purple one. Is it the Scorpions? Oh, some, they do it. They're Scorpions. Okay. They're cobras. Right. They're cobras. Okay. So anyway. Um, Lauren Much gets the, uh, basically nobody makes me bleed my own blood award <laughs> because she was not happy. <laughs> nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Yeah. Um, 31 to 18, Rose City halfway through the first half. Jam 18, there was some jammer on jammer defense attempted by Bonnie against Misty Maven to clear the box. It's absolutely worth going back to see. Uh, the score is 46 to 37 Rose City at this point. And then the next jam, there's jammer penalties on both sides. It's a two-minute jam between Lauren Much and Space Invader. Much got seven. Space got ten. Now we're at 54-47. One minute left in the first half. Bonnie, nine points. Violet Knockout has five penalties at this point. Uh, after another jam, Bonnie goes back out. The jammers race. One point. Halftime score, 64-47. to how were you feeling after, like, the first half? I mean, I honestly thought, wow, maybe Gotham can pull this off. There were several moments when I was like, okay, well, I didn't pick Gotham to get, you know, mm -hmm. to win this, but maybe they can do it. Yeah, I was really happy to have a close game. Yeah. There's been past years, like the Rose versus Gotham years, Victoria coming up, when I wanted a team to be able to go up there and face one of the top teams, I felt like... The game on this day had to be more of a show of domination over another team to prove that they could conquer the team in the final. Right. You felt, you felt like you had to see a certain score differential going through each level. But the beautiful thing about Derby in the more recent years is every year there are more teams that are getting that good. I feel like the top five teams are actually all that good. Yeah. And it's just any given day, any given location, situation... I feel like they could actually take each other. Right. Which jammers are going to show up? Which blockers are going to show up? Yeah. How's everybody feeling? Yeah. What's the strategy? What's the floor? Anything. Yeah. So this was a lot more fun, and I'm really happy that this is how Derby is now. <laughs> it was, yeah. Again, like there was a lot of really great Derby to watch this weekend. Even yeah. when it was kind of a blowout, they provided some entertainment. Yeah. To draw you back in. 
Um, my other notes were just, I was really engaged in this one, so I didn't write a whole lot of jam-by-jam jam moments, but I said basically that Gotham had plenty of good moments. Rose maintains their lead through their defense and with Bonnie and Much jamming. Violet Knockout did foul out in this game. Rose win by about 25-ish points. I did have another award here. This is the WTF award for the egregious forearm from Beyond Thunderdame because she literally put fast and loose in a headlock and slammed her backward to the ground. I'm sure this was not intentionally done, but this is what it looked like. It's really dangerous to not have control of your body to that degree for a moment like this to just happen. I'm really glad it was called and that it was called that way because it just looked pretty bad. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. That, that was not a good moment for anybody. <laughs> no one is enjoying themselves no. in this instance. Uh, but I'm glad that um, Dame came back and played much better the next day. Yes. Um, as she was, she did have a great weekend. That was just a terrible moment. <laughs> yes. People can have a terrible moment. Just, just come back from it. So then we have the evening game of... Victorian Roller Derby versus Denver. Oh, wait, I have an award. Oh, you have an award. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's I didn't. I wrote very few notes for this game also, but I am giving the Wonder Twins Award to Roxy Dallas and Fast and Loose because not only did they look similar, but they played on the same line many, many times, and they just seemed to have like some telepathic kind of secret language. You're right. They wore their hair more similarly that mm -hmm. day. The day before, Fast and Loose's hair was different. I agree. I like this. Nice. Okay, now proceed. All right. BRDL versus Denver. BRDL dominates the beginning. Denver takes advantage of power jams to get back in it. Um, one of the announcers was outed as a fan of wrestling because she accidentally called Braun Swanson Braun Strowman at one point, who is a very dominating uh, male wrestler that I enjoy very much. I actually have a, a Christmas ornament of him where he is shaped like a sugar cookie. So this announcer will understand your previous rush. Yeah. Get these hands. That's a catchphrase for Braun Strowman. Um, so um, let's see. It was 74 to 66. And Blackman takes the star and scores 13 points. Blackman used to be a jammer. So I really liked actually yeah. getting to see her jam. She's a really good choice as a pivot. When there's, there's four minutes left in the first half. And then it happens. Braun Swanson goes down with an injury. Taken to a medical facility. There's a 14-minute medical timeout uh, while they sort all this out. Losing one of the best blockers in the world and Scaldy Girl's sister could affect the team emotionally. Will it demoralize them or inspire them to do it for her? Eagle does not jam the last two jams of the half, and suddenly the spread is 105 to 69, Victoria. Like, that was, like, already a big bump just right there. Right. So then at halftime, I don't think anyone drank a Coke. No one drank any Cokes. Uh, I think they drank some sadness. Um, I, I wanted really badly for Denver to be able to come out and do really well. But I understand this is a hard moment. Yeah. I mean, and I, when we talked before, like, I didn't really think that Denver was going to beat the RDL. But this is... This is just not a good circumstance to have to try to overcome on top of that and, and have any chance of of winning. Like, no. it's just too much. No, no, no. Um, so we, we come to our second half. 
and Skald Eagle gets lead to start the half. Um, she comes out looking focused, determined, one hundred percent eagle. Like she looks like, yes, I'm here to play. And then jam two, I noticed that Lady Trample was jamming with less enthusiasm. Her heart didn't look like it was in it. Like she looked pretty sad. Obviously, like if I had to guess, it would I would guess it's worrying about right. Ron because she's rather close, obviously, with Eagle and Ron Swanson. Right. Um because of love. Um, jam four. Eagle is focused. Steal Eagle. Ten points. Score is 118 to 87. Victoria is still in the lead, but it's starting to look like Denver can come back. And then my next note is it's 150 to 101. Fifteen minutes are left. <laughs> my next note is Gaipin is here. First time this weekend. <laughs> then Biceptual falls out. Then it's 193 to 115. There's three minutes left in the game. <laughs> This is the point where Denver officially gives up. Um, they put out relief jammer Coyote. She gets lead. I think she's a transfer from Rocky Mountain. I feel oh. like that's a name I've heard on Rocky Mountain, and it would make sense given Denver Denver. Proximity, right. Yeah. Um, so good on her. Guypen's put in for the last jam against the relief jammer for Victoria, Ella Edwards. Only time that uh, she jammed all weekend. Yeah. Score finishes 202 to 129. And we're always going to wonder what would have happened if Ron Swanson hadn't gotten hurt. Denver was keeping it close. They were motivated. Eagles started out the second half so strong. But um, Lady Trample was matched up with Eagle pretty much every jam after those first two. And she wasn't getting lead. And I think she only scored like two points after that. And um, I didn't like that. It felt... I had feelings about it. This was... A very smart strategic bench coaching decision but normally when you see these two jam against each other there's familiarity there's fun they're smiling there's teasing you know they're both competitive people but they also love each other yeah and in this case neither of them were make could even make eye contact with each other they were both trying so hard to focus and I think it made it really hard for both of them I mean Lady Trample is still going out there and doing her Lady Trample things but Eagle uh, definitely uh did not benefit from this. Yeah. I think it was, you know, you talked earlier. What? I don't think we were even broadcasting. I think you and I were having a conversation earlier about, <laughs> um, you know, just matchups and do you put out the the strongest with the strongest or the strong with the weak. Was that live? Oh, no, yeah. we did that right here. Yay! Right so here, you know right what now. we're talking about. <laughs> Yay. And, and so it's a tough decision, but I think that that really did put everybody in kind of a rough spot. Yeah. And it probably didn't feel very good. I felt like everyone wanted that game to be over on both sides. And it's just, it's, it's a little bit too bad. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what Denver looks like next year. And they looked really good the next day. But we're yes, going to get to that. Um, I apologize for the length of this podcast, but this is Champs Weekend, people. You want to hear about Champs, you, I think you'll you'll maybe stick around with us. Um, what award did you have for this game? Um... Well, it's just kind of like a get well soon for Ron Swanson award. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah, there were a lot of things that were going on, and it was a good game, but I just, you know, it was, it was, it was tough to see that. Mm-hmm. Our friend Derelia, a guest of the podcast, texted me to say that uh, she was crying because she feels the feelings very strong. Yeah. Um, but in other news, my award is. <laughs> I gave the Lumberjack Award to Blackman 
for cutting down Victorian jammers at the knees. <laughs> she, her hits were devastating and low, and they would just go whoop, <laughs> just bam down. Um, she is amazing to watch. So I really like the change in champs this year where um, we only had two games on the last day. It was nice. Because everyone has competed. This gave an opportunity for everyone the day before to put it all out there and then have fun at the after party yes. since there's only four teams competing the next day. And that's that's really the most fair. Like, if you're still competing, then you have to reserve some. But I think everyone else would like to be done and just go celebrate and yeah. let it all hang out. Well, and, and just be able to socialize and be with all of those derby people and 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 not have to, like, get up in the morning and play a consolation game. Yeah. I mean, I know there's another after party on Sunday night, but not everyone can do that. Some people no. have to travel and go home. Yep. So I like this a lot. Um, and so the third place game, Gotham versus Denver. Did you get to see very much of I this? I did. I watched it. This was... A good game. A really good game. Um, Denver defense, Leah Davison and Blackman are everywhere in this pack. Akers is working offense. We are missing sister telepathy, but Akers is doing her darndest. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jam 7. Giles made a valiant effort at uh, Jammer defense because there was only one Gotham blocker on the track. And that's absolutely the right idea. You want to kill time and get your blockers back. Unfortunately, you know, Eagle gets away, gets 14 points, Giles only four, lead change goes to Denver, 20 to 24, 21 minutes left in the first half. So I, I'm still like props on the right idea. Yeah. That's what you should do. I think that not everyone thinks to do this. So smartness. Um, Eagle is having a really good game. Uh, Gotham toyed with running her jams long, but it's... Gotham was only matching points. It's not really netting anything. Uh, oh, there. Oh, Denver was toying with running her jams long. I I'm confused in my notes. But um, Kate Sarasara at one point was just matching her point for point, yeah. like they each had eight. You're not netting anything. Um, but you know, the score is now thirty six to thirty three with Gotham in the lead at this point. Twelve minutes left in the first half. The game felt like it flew by. I was like, how is it already 12 minutes left yeah, in the first? Yeah, I don't first? think they used any clock stoppages the first half. Oh, they were not. Um, there was a jam where Misty Maven got a penalty and still outscored Wilhelm 14-4. to Scores 50-37, to 10 minutes left, Denver timeout. Um, I made a note like I was going to give Blackman another award, but it's the same exact award that I gave her in the other game. We're not going to do that. <laughs> Eagle runs it long against Kate Sarasara again, 16 to 8. So this time it worked out better. Uh, they were learning how to handle that other jammer. New score, 72 to 53. Gotham still in the lead at this point. Andy was getting used a little bit more. Power jam for Andy against Giles. Um, amazing toe stop work for Giles staying in bounds to get her scoring pass. Like, go back and look at the replay of that. It was intense. Uh, 10 to 5 on points, 77 to 63, Gotham, um, less than two minutes left in the first half. And Denver was definitely experimenting with fielding multiple jammers on the jam line and then pulling one back. Is it working? It feels like it works less on pivot line starts where they don't really move back that much. Yeah. Some all rush back, but in this game, it wasn't happening as much. They were all kind of hanging out there, so... 
so what? Like, you have time to adjust no matter yeah. what direction she's coming from. Yes. Coach Dan and I discussed this, actually, that sometimes this almost seems to backfire, putting out two jammers, mm-hmm. because then you're, you know, you're adjusting. Yeah. And the other team sometimes doesn't even care. And I had complaints about it early in the weekend when I was watching, which was that it felt like whenever two jammers were fielded, the one on the outside is always the one going back to the bench that's because that's the easiest thing. And you could always tell who was going to play based on who looked more ready. And it felt like the teams that really wanted to make this work waited until their last game to really sell. Yeah. Like they were really trying to hold a stance and make a face. Like they must have talked to each other about their acting <laughs> skills <laughs> to try and pull it off. Because they really wanted to make this work, but there were only, I'd say, I'd say it was only surprising, like, maybe a quarter to a third of the time. Yeah. It just doesn't seem, like, worth the effort. You know, sometimes you just want to be really smart, and so you go out there and you're like, I'm doing smart things. And it's hard to abandon things that you think are really clever. Um, But who knows? I saw lots of mustaches for Ron Swanson. Mm -hmm. That was um, really nice. The score was 81-67 to 67 at halftime. Feed disappears for about five minutes of the second half. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Um, but then, things escalated quickly. Gotham got a decent lead. Guypen's put in. Gets a power jam in ten points. Calls it to give a power start to Eagle. Pack is racing. Eagle only gets one point out of it. Score 110-91 to 91. Gotham. 19 minutes left. That's a pretty good close game still. Mm-hmm. Really fast derby being played. Misty Maven and Violet Knockout are both slow to get up at the end of a jam. Uh, that was a scary moment. Um, at this point, it was 113 to 91. Gotham. 17 minutes left. 44 seconds. Jam 11. Eagle doing eagle things. Big 19-point jam brings the score to 113 to 110. Gotham still in the lead. 16 minutes left. Eagle was playing a lot more at this point. She was sometimes going every other. Yeah. Um, fresh jammer legs. Using Guypen again. Getting lead. Two points. It's a one-point game. 15 minutes left. Um, this is where the extra playing started to wear on Eagle a little bit. Um, Eagle versus Kate Sarasara. No lead. Kate was out first and scoring, but then Eagle things happen. Magic. Lead change. 129 to 130. Denver. Ten and a half minutes left. Guypen had a hundred percent lead at this point. Um, got another four points. Tie game, one thirty-four all. Eight minutes left. Next jam starts two blockers down for Denver, and Misty Maven takes advantage and gets fourteen points against Eagle. Eagle looks tired. She's um, Maven was having a very strong, consistent weekend. I mean, she had a really strong, consistent season. And then the announcer said that Denver has never beat Gotham in 14 games. Wow. And this is where I thought, oh, maybe it's not happening today either. <laughs> I got a little worried. Um, Klein was uh, rested for a while, put out against Kate Sarasara, does the biggest apex jump in the entire world, but doesn't land it, um, and then came back and got three points. Her points were really limited in this game, and I think that's why they were arresting her more, uh, because they were gauging effectiveness, probably using stats. Um, 148 to 137. Now it's jam 20, five minutes left. Leah Davidson jumps the apex to hit Giles. <laughs> Willow scores 10 points. 
152 to 147. Violet knockout fouls out. This is her second foul out of the weekend. Uh, Misty Maven gets three points. 155 to 147. Gotham. Less than two minutes left in this game. Denver team timeout. Now, they fielded Gaipin for this last jam. She's got fresh legs. I think this is the decision where you're trying to figure out, is this the last jam or is this the next to last jam? We've been in this situation before ourselves. And I feel like this decision was made on hoping it would be the next to last jam. I think the hope was that Gaipin would get lead some points, they would call it off, and Denver would get a chance at another jam and finish with Eagle possibly Wilhelm, but I think they're right. definitely targeting like Eagle. going with Eagle using their big ticket there who's been there in these big games. But it was the last jam. Um against Misty Maven, 164 to 151, Gotham wins with Misty Maven. Uh she has a really good jam. Um so I really loved watching this game. I wanted Denver to win because of everything they went through and all yeah. the hard work, but you know what? There's next year. There is. Next year, might have Lady Trample on their team as well. That is the... It's the rumor. The rumor slash news. Not sure. Now, then this takes us to the Champs game, which I have... Do you have an award? Oh, I do have an award. Maybe. Tell me about your award while I look for Um, my award. So my award is the Fly Like an Eagle Award, and it's (laughs) for Scald, because, you know, we just talked about how the game last night... She just didn't seem herself, and things weren't going her way. And today, just it really seemed like she was back. She soared above her feelings. She really did. She used, she, you know, wind beneath her wings was Ron Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it just seemed like she was back, and it was a really good um, return. Good. And then my award was for Tracy Akers, and it's the Jammer's Best Friend Award because she's always thinking about that Jammer and how she can help get her out. She's very good at that. All right. So I have almost no notes on the Champs game because we all went and watched it together at Right Brain Brewery here in Traverse City. It was really fun. There was a projector set up. I brought um, as much leftover Halloween candy as I could to pawn off on other people. Pizza was had. Drinks were had. It was a lovely time. It was. I wore my, my signed... Bonnie Thunder's jersey for Rose City because power to the Bonnie. Um, so, yeah. Thoughts on this game? So, um, we were talking at one point about side plank practice because <laughs> of the amazing, like, staying in bounds power of... Was it Lauren Much? Yes. She it had a moment much. where she puts her hand down and she... A lot of the, a lot of times when jammers put the hand down, it's like right next to them. Uh huh. This was far out. It looked like other parts of her body were absolutely going to go down because uh-huh. normally you would collapse down, your hip would go down, your knee would go down. But side planking is definitely one of her specialties because she just stayed there while all those blockers ran back, and then she left. Yeah, stood herself back up and took off. That was an amazing moment. A, a moment of smartness and athleticism. And practice plans for Wednesday. Yeah, we're going to work on that. Um, Now, earlier I made a comment about a different team with a strategy um, where they were um, low on blockers Mm -hmm. and decided they were going to try to do defense. 
This time that did not happen. Uh, Victoria had one blocker, and it was biceptual, and she went all offense. Did not try to block the other jammer at all, just tried to get her jammer out. And it was really difficult, but it was the right thing to do because it made sure that they only had one pass to score. Yeah. And then she could kill some time, get some more help. Yeah, and she probably wasn't going to stop that jammer by herself anyway. Yeah. Um, this game felt like a street fight. Because, I mean, on the one hand, both rosters were very different from past years. Mm -hmm. They've got some newer skaters, um, some people who are really hungry for it because they haven't been there before. Right. And um, just so much experience on both sides, so much singular talent and people working together. Um, it was just incredible. Um, I saw Simonis do one of the best, like, one blocker catches of a jammer I've ever seen. Yeah, just, all the way across. Just waiting at the front of the pack and then just went BAM! And it's not like she was facing backwards or anything. She was um, forward facing and then just put her arm out and caught her with the whole length of her body. Yeah. Legally. Right. It was incredible. Um, there was just so many great moments in this game that it's hard to remember them all without notes. Um, <laughs> but Rose secured the lead from the beginning and then just did their best to hold on to it. And, man, Victoria tried to get it. <laughs> they did try. It, it did feel very, like, aggressive. And there were a couple moments when I, I was talking to people and I was like, that seems really handsy to me. Like, mm -hmm. they seem really aggressively trying to go for what they wanted. Yeah, it looked almost like they were pushing each other sometimes. Yeah. But they, it, sometimes things happen so quickly. I wondered if things weren't being called because they couldn't recognize it for what it was in the moment because it happened so yeah. fast. Uh, I mean, sometimes Laura Much just shoots through situations, and you're not sure what happened, she's but everyone's on the floor, know. and she's and she's gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, without notes, and like a lot of times when I'm watching feeds, I'll go back and rewind and watch parts of it again during the halftime or the intermissions, and mm -hmm. I didn't really have a chance to do that today, so um, I'm excited to go back and watch it again. Oh, absolutely. I uh, was talking to a teammate while we were watching, and I asked her, like, if Lauren Much was coming at you, would you have the bravery to, like, stand there and take it? Like, would you? And she's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, that's a really scary prospect. I mean, how do you hold your ground when someone with that much courage and commitment is coming? Yeah. Super brave and, and solid and strong. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know if I would. And I, have I might just be like, you can have it. Time. Yeah, we have a very tough uh, jammer <laughs> who does not quit on our team. Um, yeah. Uh, I just had a thought about this game and now I've lost it. All right, you keep thinking okay. and I will think of things to say. Oh, I um, know what I was... Oh, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say okay. also that um, Victoria relied a lot on Lady Trample, mm -hmm. Sarah Chambers, Jambi, uh, the transfer from Sun State. And... Did not use Anna Pavey over as much in this game, um, which surprised me because she's also very good. But I think they really wanted to trim down their jamming rotation uh, to the people who were scoring the most points. Yeah. Um, and then on the row side, lots of Bonnie and Lauren Much, of course. And then Brute, sometimes beyond Thunder Dame. They did not attempt zip drive in this game. Um, they, yeah, they, they just, they kept it really tight. They went with what they knew. Um, 
But man, it was it was so physical. These hits were crazy. Yeah. Well, I so we talked earlier about long jams mm-hmm. that have no lead for mm-hmm. a really long time, and that happened multiple times over the course of the weekend. But um, I am not a jammer in the jammer rotation. But just knowing that teams that are playing at this level, and when you have jammers like Bonnie Thunders and mm-hmm. Lauren Much and you know people coming through and they're still not able to get through defense after a minute plus mm-hmm. like it really affirms when you're struggling to get through a wall and like make you feel better about your jamming skills like oh if they can't do it then I'm okay knowing that it's not all magic and melting <laughs> through the wall yes. knowing that there are challenges out there um like and just thinking about star passes there were times this weekend in multiple games where i saw a pivot actually lined up perfectly to take a star pass Mm -hmm. and the jammer would put it out there and then for some reason take it back and like try to go the long way around the outside and it was driving me insane because i'm like it could have been out you could have gotten the star out of the pack why did you take it back and um eventually they might pass it anyway but it would be two scoring passes later for the other jammer and I was just like why did you do this but then you have a game like this where this is the game the game everyone wants to play this is the one that means everything right and uh, in this game it was a really good question of should you star pass or not because there are pivots who are very good and who are very capable of taking a star pass and doing great things with it it's not rocket science is one of them Blackman is one of them I would say Gallifrey is one of them. Um, I would not say everyone on either of these teams was one of them. As um, I think there were moments, like we, we talked about this at our watch party, where it was like, okay, if I'm Bonnie Thunders, do I pass the star knowing that I am the best option on the right. track? Like, yeah, you could get the star out of the pack, but when you have the lead... Victorian's going to run it because they want to win and it's the only way they're going to win. Running it against a pivot sounds really good because they're having a hard time getting lead. And if they do, they would love to run it against your pivot. Do you want to watch your pivot suffer? (laughs) For two whole minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And and the worst case scenario is then if the pivot takes a penalty and then they ice her in the box and then you have to do it again. Yeah, because then do you field one of your jammers as the pivot for the next jam? Do you just trust her to deal with it? Um, There was a jam in this game where we saw Bonnie Thunders and Lauren Much blocking. Mm -hmm. And it was because Bonnie Thunders had passed the star. And Lauren Much, I believe, had passed the star in the jam beforehand and must have gotten a penalty as a blocker and returned to the game as a blocker because I don't think they ever intended to field Field her her as as a blocker because I was trying to figure out was there a strategic reason for this in this particular jam? And then I realized, no, that there's no way they wanted this. They wanted to keep her for jamming. Yeah. I I guess I hadn't realized that she'd been in the box previously because I was really questioning the whole lineup of that jam. I basically had to deduce it because <laughs> it didn't make any sense. It does and that was the only sense. thing that did make sense and that at that moment. Sense. I mean, there are times when it makes sense to do this. I remember Jacksonville had done this before where suddenly, like, I think they at one point put out an entire jammer line in an important game to make something happen. Like, Aaron Jackson was out there. Jam Sterella was out there. Everyone was out there. We've joked about that. 
But you know what? Sometimes it can be really good if if your best jammers are also maybe secretly your best blockers. It could be a thing. <laughs> um, and I would say Bonnie Thunders and Scald Eagle are amongst the best, you know, jammers who are also secretly best blockers. Because you don't get to see them do it, but when they are out there, they do it's, it really well. They are yeah. very aware. And there was a moment in this game where uh, Rose City blockers uh, knocked down the Victorian jammer. I believe it was Jambi. I could be wrong. And Bonnie sees this, runs back 20 feet really quickly. Ah, yes. And Jambi sees that the blockers she is with uh, fell down and tries to just get up where she is and gets called cut. for the track yeah. cut. Um, and I was just like, Bonnie, you're the smartest! Because it's just a really good awareness. Yep. <laughs> um, and then this game, like Victorian was trying their darndest to come back. It was getting close toward the end. Uh, Rose does end up maintaining their lead. Bonnie, like there's like three jams in a row where it's like looking like, oh my God, what are they going to do? Because a lot of timeouts are being called and they're putting, Victoria's putting all three of their jammers out there who are making a jammer sandwich of hugs and uh, trying to keep their spirits up because they're behind and they're hoping they can do this. And we were all kind of debating, all right, based on X amount of time left, which jammers do you use and in what order? Do you want Trample to go last? Lady Trample had six penalties at this point. It was a question of whether you should field her at all. But yeah. it's the end of the game. You know, I think putting her out for the last jam, who cares? You either win or you don't. Right. The so, end of your season, the end of her run. Yeah, the last time with this team, it all made sense. I think that they made some pretty good coaching decisions with, of what they were trying to do. But Rose maintains. And the thing I loved that was so smart here is that Bonnie Thunders calls off the jam when there are 25 seconds left on the period clock. Around the room where we were, half the people at the watch party gasped while me and my husband looked at each other and said, that was so smart! Because we both knew Victoria had no way to stop the clock anymore. So why should Bonnie suffer right. any more jamming than she has to do when you have just won the Hydra? I was actually <laughs> sitting next to Dan, and when the jam started, as soon as Bonnie got lead, I said, well, she just has to go until there are 29 seconds left on the clock. Uh-huh. And then they win. And he looks at me and he smiles. So, mm-hmm. yay for smartness. Yep. And you clock have, awareness. You have learned, Grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bonnie Thundas. Yes. Ah, I just loved it. It was just such great awareness. Uh, I was really happy to see Bonnie get a win with her new team. I was happy to see Rose get the Hydra back. You know, USA and all that. Um, I've always liked Rose City. I really like Victoria. But um, I was cheering for the underdog, which I thought was Rose City all the way, based on their 90-point loss at Champs last year. Yeah, that's actually my award. Do you remember yeah. the cartoon, Underdog? Yes. That's my award. The underdog, the underdog award, award. To, the entire... to the entire Rose City Rollers. Oh, Because I was not expecting them to win. <sighs> we did brackets. We did. We didn't predict this. We both predicted Victoria would win. And I'm, I think we're both really happy. I am happy. That it worked out this way. Because, but most importantly, it was a good game. It was. We always want the Champs game to be a good game. Honestly, we've been spoiled. Because um, the first really good game I remember being 2013... Texas versus Gotham were like, oh my god, a team can face Gotham and have a good game. It and was the most exciting thing ever. And then 
there were good games against Gotham for years. Yes. And then Victoria comes up and is in that picture. But then last year's game, a 90-point win, it felt like, oh, is nobody good enough to face Victoria? Right. It was a little bit like a, a sad state of roller derby that maybe they'll just hang on to it for a decade. We don't know. Well, <laughs> if you play roller derby, you know how that feels. And, mm -hmm. like, those kind of wins and losses don't feel so great when you go home. Yeah, you, you really, if you're going to compete to be best in the world, I really want to see a slugfest like this was. Yes. I want to see, you bring everything you got, I'll bring everything I've got, and let's have it out. Yep. And that's what this was. <laughs> and if they were to play this game two more times, right? Like, if we had the same matchup again and again, would, uh -huh. would the tables be turned? I don't know. I feel like, yeah, it could, it could swing another way the next time, yep. absolutely. But I was really happy with how it went. Um, I asked Sasanova if she'd like to send ah, yes. in an award, um, and she has the award for leaving it all on the track to Lady Trample. That's very sweet, Sass. Yeah. I actually didn't come up with an award for this game because I was just too blown away by all of it. Um, they got the Hydra. That should be an award or not. <laughs> the Hydra is the award. <laughs> yeah, for that's pretty game. decent, right? I mean, that's a good prize. You don't have to make up silly ones when there's a real one for this game. Like, all the other awards I gave you were, I gave out were consolations for not having the Hydra, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're almost as good, I bet. So, if you stuck with us this whole time, thank you. It must be because you like talking about Derby as much as we do. We probably could have talked for another hour because there is no shortage of conversation when it comes to me and Bella in particular. <laughs> I like roller derby. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> but um, I feel like we should let you go. Thank you for listening. Please tell your friends about this podcast. And, you know, reviews, ratings, subscribing, all that stuff. And thank you. We have been talking about derby and thinking derby thoughts. Pew, pew. Hey there, friends. Want to know how you can support the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby podcast and look super cool doing it? Our store has a bunch of roller derby designs that can be put on all kinds of super soft, high quality t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, hoodies, notebooks, mugs, stickers, blankets, and more at Threadless. Whether you love cartoon animals on roller skates, like our Apex Predator T-Rex, or jam -a llama to messages like Roller Derby Strong and My Mom Plays Roller Derby, there's really something for everybody. Visit powerforthwhistle.threadless.com. That's P-O-W-E-R, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E dot threadless.com. Thank you for your support, and back to our show.